This is the program that really gets you thinking. Welcome to Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. Here's the guy who asks all the right questions. Your host, Ralph DeLugas. Welcome, welcome everybody to our show this week. We have another exciting set of topics for you. Um, finally prepared a little bit to delve into the great King Arthur and some of the truth. Not You guys all know the myths and the legends, Merlin and all the nonsense. Merlin was actually a very powerful man of God, hence all the nonsense about him. But we're going to talk a little bit about sacred bloodlines. I can't uh, not talk about uh, the Divine Matrix, of course, a little bit because it ties so many things together. Ether, talk a little bit about modern, uh, the latest science nonsense that's out there. But first, I want to talk about something I really love a lot. I think it's really important. When we look at the kingdom of Satan, um, that's what I like to call it. Some, you can call it a deep state, the cabal. The United Nations, the New World Order, which is just the same old world order. It's the order of Baal with fresh lipsticks. To me, I often like to call it the kingdom of Satan because that's what I believe. But you can call it whatever you want. But there's clearly a power, a force in our world that has hijacked everything, including science, which is kind of my little favorite thing. But also words. I really like looking into words. I think much knowledge and and understanding can be lost by the twisting and and absconding of words. Um, I got an awesome birthday gift for my birthday this past week. I turned 50. I'm, I'm now officially old. Um, my wife, bless her heart, gave me a physical 1828 Webster's Dictionary. This thing is like 900 pounds. It's like six inches thick. It is beautiful. I wish I could carry it around with me. It would be like with my scriptures, right? I love this book. Um, I've always looked at it online, but now I have a physical copy because I'm always a little suspicious of what comes out of my device, right? Like they can change anything. Um, I love, you know what? I, I didn't look up some words like I meant to. Some of my favorite words, like I love the word. I encourage my sons at home and, and I use wherever I can in a sentence, I use the word fortitude. Uh, I use the word steadfast. How I love that word steadfast. Um, this is the definition of fortitude. I'll, just as a little example of how beautiful the Webster's Dictionary is and how much words have changed. Um, fortitude, a noun, Latin. Fortudo, uh, strength or firmness of mind or soul, which enables a person to encounter danger with coolness and courage or to bear pain or adversity without murmuring depression or despondency. Fortitude is the basis or source of genuine courage or intrepidity in danger, of patience in suffering, of forbearance under injuries, and of magnanimity in all conditions of life. We sometimes confound the effect with the cause and use fortitude as synonymous with courage or patience, but courage is an act of virtue or vice. Patience is the effect of fortitude. Fortitude is the guard and support of most all other virtues. Now, find that in today's scripture, or today's dictionary, right? Um, I love the word fortitude. I love the Webster Dictionary. I would encourage, we talk a lot about teaching the next generation, and man, has there, there has never been a greater need 
for the education of the next generation and what, what awesome kids they are, but man, are they facing a black wall in front of them. So another tool, I would use it, get it, overutilize it wherever possible. Um, I have had some house guests at my house and it has been very educational. I want to share just a couple examples because I think it ties into what we talk about a lot here on Loving Liberty. My uh, beloved wife is from Ontario, Canada. She's uh, Toronto area and has most of her family still living there. Her sister's been with us most of the summer. Uh, her sister's boyfriend off and on. It has been really awesome to talk to her. Her boyfriend's from Toronto as well. He's a world-class chef. It's also been really great to have him cooking for us. I think I miss his cooking more than I miss him but um, or her. But I'm just kidding. But actually, I'm not kidding. He's a really good cook. But um, he is a refugee from Iran. He came to Canada when he was just very young, like three years old or something like that. And it's just been so interesting. From the moment that uh, we come out of the womb, the machine starts working on us. And and you guys know me, how I feel about the global warming hoax and the kingdom of Satan's relentless efforts to steal what little money and liberty they have we have left to our to our name. Um, so I talk a lot with them, you know, about just liberty in general. And uh, my sisters, I don't want to use their real names. Let's call her Becky and Becky and um, and John. Um, we've had many long conversations about like guns and rights and stuff and global warming. And I took him out. I, I borrowed a 50 caliber rifle from a friend of mine and we went out to the desert shooting and we've been talking a lot about rights and firearms and stuff. And he wants a gun, but being he's lived in Canada all of his life, it's been really hard to try and explain like the whole paradigm to him, right? Like we're after coming back and he, he shot my friend's rifle my uh those of you that have ever shot a 50 caliber rifle it's a pretty impressive thing quarter stick of dynamite big percussion wave blew my taillights out because it was too close to my truck just the percussion wave right <laughs> that was kind of a downer but um yeah and he's like talking about red flag laws and stuff and he said it several times um well, you know, I know I, I understand why the government needs to get weapons like this out of the people's hands. This should never have been. And it's kind of their fault for letting you guys have guns like this in the first place. And he said that several times. And I just kind of one of those things, you know, you let go by. But the third time I was like, you know, my sons are in the car. I, I can't let that keep coming out. So I, I turned to him and I said, I said, John, where do you think rights come from? Um and then before he could answer, you know, he was pondering, but before any of us really could say anything else, my son from the back seat bellowed out, they come from God, dad, our rights come from God and the government's trying to take them away. I, I thought, you know what? I'm so proud of you, son. Um, it was one of those moments of, uh, of, of reward, right? Um, I want to share one other one, as long as I'm talking about my sons and how amazing they are. We were at football. My, my sons play little league football. I love I love football, and um, the coach bless his heart. He's an awesome guy, and I love him to death. The time he puts in and stuff. We were at practice towards the end, and they were wore out. It was still pretty hot, and both of my sons had run out of water. And the coach always brings you know one of those trays that have like six water bottles in it or something like that. And so they were both drinking off off of the uh, water bottles that the coaches had brought. And I'm talking to the coach, and we're all like kind of standing in a circle. And I was joking to him. I was like, um, that, that's not a wa tap water, is it? And he's like, yeah, I love tap water. I think it tastes the best. <laughs> My sons both simultaneously go, 
and they spit their water out and they start knocking the bottles out of everybody's ha- everyone's hands and say, don't drink it. It's government water. It's full of fluoride. <laughs> it was really cute. They're 10 years old. And my wife just, you know, did the palm hand thing and was just embarrassed as heck. But I beamed with pride. I was like, I'm doing some good. OK, thank you for that moment of uh, personal uh, gratification, if you will. I want to talk about a couple articles that I found this week. Um I was really intri- I've been intrigued to see that the yellow vest move- movement is still going on and still going quite strong and how increasingly the police are coming down on these guys. Remember that this is in France and as a, a son of German immigrants, you know, I France has always been kind of uh, something I've looked at with cynicism, but I am I don't know the true forces behind it, but the, the people are standing up and saying, you're not stealing any more of our money because this started over global global warming, right? right? And their tax. And they are going strong. I think we, we should definitely look with the, look to these guys and maybe, maybe learn a few lessons. I think it's awesome what they're doing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, we probably won't have time to get into this. We'll have to talk about it a little bit after the break. I found an article. That I had no idea was even out there. It's called Motion Through the Ether. Um, those of you who have been listening for a little bit probably know the ether, which is the divine matrix. Um, I like to call it the matrix of the Elohim. It's the power through which all things are created. And this is scientific. It sounds religious, and I guess you can call it religious, but to me there is no difference. Um, and it is uh, – Approvable thing, and this, this was an article, and even got it even got a write up in the Holy Grail of uh, Science, Nature magazine, and this was back in '86. You'd think this would have been world news and would be quoted and cited, but it's disappeared. We're going to talk about that and the ether a little bit, and the nature of the atom. Um, we all know what the atom looks like, what we've been taught. I want to talk a little bit about what this article and. Uh, even CERN, and I'm not a big fan of CERN. I'm wholly against them stealing hundreds of billions of dollars from the people and doing whatever they feel like with it scientifically. And even aside from all of the other kind of little bit sketchy stuff we've all heard about CERN. But um, we're going to talk about Adam, the nature of energy a little bit after the break. Uh, cosmic rays and crustal shift. And um, all that's coming up. Oh, and King Arthur after the break. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Welcome back, everybody. You are on the Loving Liberty Network. I am your humble host and fellow truth seeker, Ralph DeLugas. Um, This is Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. Um, Before we talk about the atom, I just want to touch lightly on a few articles um, that I saw over this week. I think it's really funny how many – I mean you can't – I I could read you a hundred like this, but I'll I'll give you just a couple historic. This is from USA Today. Historic winter storm dumps three feet of snow, smashes records in the West. Uh, This was shortly after uh, summer had ended and fall began. 
Uh, wintry weather knocks out power for 2,000 homes in Colorado. Record snow and cold slams northeastern U.S. Rockies with winter-like weather. Where's the global warming? Um, I, I got to say, I, I saw that Greta. I don't know her last name. It escapes me right now. Thunderbird? Thunberg. Um, bless her heart, you know, what an example of how these guys will, will resort to anything to, to get the rest of your liberty and money and to keep their power and control. That poor gal has just been, She. I don't know if you guys saw her in the interview where the reporter, clearly he was trying to befuddle her because he, he asked her this probing, hard question of, quote, if Donald Trump was here, what would you say to him? Unquote. And she looked like totally horrified. She kept trying to deflect the question to other. I mean, you can so tell that this whole thing is scripted. The whole global warming hoax is such a, a naked lie. And under pressure, the IPCC has finally agreed, and this has been a few months ago, because I've, I've talked before about how the, the big problem with it, their numbers are all good and fine, except for a couple two really big naked problems and one is that they leave out the sun which to me is kind of kind of metaphorical because they're always leaving the sun out s u n n s o n capital s o n but also any change that happens and the climate always changes any 2 year old knows that weather's going to always be changing right they always give that credit to you and me for something we're doing wrong and they always have the same solution give us more money um so under pressure from like just the whole scientific community, the few that are honest, they finally had to admit that, you know, yeah, we do have the sun missing things like the solar wind, coronal holes. The entire energetic influence of the sun is completely missing from their model, save B, only UV rays. So they've agreed to fix that and they're going to release a new model. But um, that's going to take some time. You know, it's going to take a lot of time. They only have billions of dollars of re uh, resources, and all of this is already written and in every university textbook. But still, nevertheless, they're not going to be able to include it until 2022. Yep. These are the same people that say they can change the weather. Um, so be prepared. There's going to be like a, a never-ending barrage of the global climate change, global warming hoax nonsense. So we'll have to keep talking about it reluctantly, unfortunately. So that's all I want to say about that for uh, for now. I want to talk a little bit about – oh, one other story we got to talk about. I saw this article about a new super camera. Uh, this is a, a Chinese super camera. Um, it can do facial recognition. It can be a quarter mile out on a crowd of people of 20,000 or a riot or whatever. And it can actually pick out every single face. And with their quantum computers, it can it can instantly process who every single person is. It's really creepy technology. Um, if you think about it, this is just such between the quantum computers and this camera technology – it is such an amazing uh, new world order tool um, and something we need to be concerned about it, it to me. Um, I don't know the whole thing. I had a really interesting experience. I had Verizon here yesterday. Two people came out, one of which recognized my Lavoie Finicum T-shirt I had on. And she was friends with uh, 
the guy that was with Ammon in Oregon. So it was kind of an interesting conversation. She ended up being kind of a country bumpkin, and it was it was pretty cool to actually see a big wig for Verizon that was awake. So that was kind of nice. But um, this 5G thing, this pulsing of depression and energetic particles or energetic waves through our atmosphere, for heaven's sakes, they even Kohler even puts out a smart toilet. This is a toilet that knows how much to flush and when to flush. Um, I can think of a lot of jokes. I'm going to try to leave. Do you do you have the big red button in hand, Ryan? Ryan, you, you might want to get ready. I, I got to say one. Now they will literally be able to look up our blanks. I, I can't do it. But but all joking aside, um, think about that for a minute. They can tell all sorts of things about your health. Um, research is underway, possibly even complete for the ability to identify you, your, analyze your DNA, analyze your health. These toilets have been in Japan for years, and I don't want to talk about toilets. Um, I apologize that I even am. Sorry for that diversion. But yeah, it is creepy, and the control that the kingdom wants to exercise over us is vast. And like I say before, there is we do have a, a weapon, a weapon that is sure. Um, it is our faith. We are powerful sons and daughters of God. And uh, we don't have to be uh, afraid. So part of me, part of me, you know, is kind of compelled to talk about these things because I think they need to be talked about. But, um, yeah, don't be afraid. I, I think it's kind of interesting, too. Another article I, I'll just touch real briefly on. I don't know if you guys heard about this. They've engineered mosquitoes to be uh, sterile because uh, they want to control mosquito populations. These guys think they can re-engineer. It kind of reminds me of Jurassic Park where life found a way or whatever, right? They they released these mosquitoes in South America into, uh, into the jungles and stuff, the rainforests and throughout South America where they're having lots of problems. And, of course, the garbage that they spray everywhere is poisoning everything. So they thought that they could just release this mosquito and solve the problem. Well, this mosquito which isn't supposed to be able to reproduce, has reproduced and made a super mosquito, right, that can't be killed. I think it's not really funny. Actually, it's probably kind of scary. But yeah, anyway, I won't talk too much about that. Let's talk a little bit about um, the ether. Um, a brief history. Um, Mickelson Morley, Morley, uh, in 1882, I want to say, they did an experiment to oversimplify it, they shot a laser beam in a bunch of different directions uh, with the spin of the earth, against the spin of the earth, theorizing that a, a stationary ether would be resistance. You know, if you think about throwing a rock and the wind being resistance, if you think about throwing a rock out of a car that's moving, it's that same kind of principle, right? And based upon this experiment, in 1880, they have disproved the uh, ether up until our day, right? They still point back. If you were to get, uh, Google Ether, it points to the, the Mickelson-Moray experiment back in 1880. Why has nobody replicated it is one of the things I've been saying for a long time. I had no idea. Back in 1980, a scientist named E.W. Silvertooth um, replicated that experiment, but with much better technology and actually discovered that there is an ether. Um, this article that I'm looking at, um, I think is actually from his, you know, we're not going to have enough time to read it, but this was actually published in Nature Magazine, volume 322, August 1986. 
The ether has been proven. It is real. But because it smacks of God and it exposes in a small way the kingdom of corruption that has held us captive for so long to their energy and the, the utility companies and everything else, you'll never learn about it. Why is this not taught? This is the fundamental nature of creation, of energy, of all things. And it's proven, right? If we have scientific evidence of it, why is it not taught? Well, we all know the answer to that. So um, we're going to run out of time on this. I want to talk a little bit about the atom and um, the nature of energy and King Arthur uh, when we get back after the break. Is that? Um, yep, we'll talk to you soon. Thoughtful discussion. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Okay, everybody, welcome back. We are talking a little bit about the ether again. Um, Why do I talk about the ether so much? Well, because it needs to be talked about. It is the nature of of energy. Uh, There's an article that I read, and this was actually put out by CERN, and I don't spend a lot of time looking at CERN, but I was kind of surprised to learn that the model of the atom, of course, the atom as we were taught back in school, I'm sure you guys learned the same thing as I did, which is taught throughout the Western world, not the Eastern world, mind you, our, our world, um, under the, the kingdom of corruption's educational system. Um, and that's nothing against the good teachers and the good men and women that are teaching our, our children, because I believe most of those are just good people that want to teach kids, right? But what they're given to t- teach is mostly lies, unfortunately. And this is a really good example of it, that the atom, which which we all believe is like the cornerstone. It's foundational. Of course, we know what the atom is. It's just the the proton and the neutron in that nucleus with those electrons and the valence shell. And you guys remember all that. Well, that's not true. And and even CERN, uh, CERN is the super collider in Europe where they accelerate particles to near the speed of light in two different tracks and then smash them together. And they observe the pieces flying apart. And, of course, there's a lot of other stuff out there that people talk about with CERN, and I I don't have an opinion on that because I only like to talk about what I can prove. Um, But mainstream science is talking about the atom as being completely different than that model, and basically that's proven, and CERN was one of the things that proved it. Uh, The atom, though they can't really fully define it, um, they talk about it being composed of all these different particles they still uh, include the electrons, neutrons, and protons. I definitely believe, because I like to, I like to believe that what we observe on a uh, on a larger scale holds true to smaller scales. I've seen so much evidence of that from from the golden ratio to, you know, which is true from our DNA up to the spiral arms of the galaxy and everything in between throughout nature, the arms of uh, of uh, like hurricanes and stuff down to the pine cones, down to our DNA, and I believe down to the very building blocks of life, 
which I'll break down to the ether, which is the power through which um, all things are created. Um, you guys have heard this stuff before that that um, it is the power by which all things are made. Those of you that are religious have heard that before. But uh, also honest scientists say there is a power um, from the Stuttgart Aerospace Academy and their study in water. They, they proved, and this is, you can do this at home if you have a fairly decent microscope. Everybody gather around the, the microscope and uh, put, a, put a couple drops of water on a glass slide out of the same distilled, just generic, any water. Use government tap water. Use whatever you want. Um, and put a couple drops on a glass slide while listening to Bach and speaking kind words. Freeze it and look at it the next morning, and it will be beautiful crystalline structures. And this is assuming, of course, you haven't looked at pornography or something. Um, and then play some F-bomb crap music and don't swear at each other, but be angry and, and do the same thing. And the next day you'll see uh, frozen water that looks like broken glass. Now, how could that be, right? Water is water. Why would water care if you're what kind of music you're listening to? Because water interacts with the energy that's all around us, which around us down here on the surface is 600 volts um, up in the uh, stratosphere. It's millions of volts, surface of the sun, about 20 billion volts. This energy is everywhere, and it's not per se electricity. It is the ether. Um, I can't say I understand it, but to deny its existence is to deny reality. Um, so anyway, we've got hadrons and bosons, and basically they're saying an, an, an atom is an organized uh, field structure, and it's more energy than matter which is really interesting if you consider the nature of matter, uh, which is energy, energy organized and vibrating at a frequency. Um, it's really cool, I think, to, uh, to, um, to study this stuff. And, and it's crystal clear that the model of the atom that we've been taught has been wrong for 100 years, but it's still continued, continually taught today along with evolution and big bangs and black holes and blah, blah, blah. Um, the name of this show is Truth is Stranger Than Fiction. And honestly, it could well be titled uh, An Honest Look at the Universe God Made because that's what I like to do. It's my passion and it's why I'm here. Um, and I think it's important that we teach these things to our kids. So uh, to be honest with you, and I, I've heard people say, oh, you're into the supernatural. And honestly, that, that kind of makes me a little bit irate because – to me, these things aren't supernatural. Uh, God doesn't do what he does through some white magic or something. He's a loving father that does what he does um, through a medium. Call it what you like. Uh, some of you might be familiar with the name Bruce R. McConkie. He talks a lot about this. It's the power through which the Elohim operate. Um, it's a very observable thing. And to me, it's not supernatural. It is natural. It is as natural as the universe itself. Um, so I get a little bit bugged when people talk about supernatural and um, these sorts of things, because to me, it all ties together. Uh, a little bit more about the ether. Um, some of you might be glazing over, and I've, I've given a little bit of history of electricity and stuff in the past. And it's kind of hard to do on a radio show. I wish I had a, a blackboard and I could show some pictures and stuff. It, it's a tough thing to get your head around. But 
there is no question in my mind that there are people out there that have had these. If you think of things like deja vu, I've often been fascinated with deja vu. Um, I think everybody's had that ex- experience. For me, like when I first heard, and I heard it on, gosh, I want to say it was Glenn Beck, and he wasn't real favorable to those folks, um, at least at first. I don't think he ever even changed. Maybe he did. I, I can't say for sure. But I heard that story, and something inside of me went, bing. I'd never heard of the Bundys. This is long after uh, what had happened down at their ranch had happened. I, I'd heard little bits about it, and I knew – you know, the government was stealing land from ranchers. I, I, I knew that, but I didn't particularly know this story, nor did I have any affiliation to it. But when I heard about what was going on in Oregon, and, and it was reported as, you know, these militia people seized the government building and these armed bandits are, 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 are stowed away, you know, ready to fight. And I heard all that, and I was like, there's something here. And there was a light went off. It was a power that went off inside of me almost. I knew there was more here. It was almost like a 9-11 event for me. And I knew I had to learn more. I think we all can have these things. I think it's important to pay attention to them because um, these are mile markers in our life that we we have to recognize. I, I think they're little little, little influences, little, little shocks or little uh, mile markers or signs, if you will, that come to us through the ether, through the divine medium, to help keep us on our path. Um, And I think they're everywhere, and I think we can learn to recognize them and be guided. Um, Super helpful stuff, and to me that is scientific as much as anything else. Um, We are, let me have lost my place here. Um, Darn it. When we come back after the break, I want to talk a little bit about um, about Old Scratch. We've—I don't even like saying his name. The devil, if you will, um, the Bible a little bit. You guys, uh, I would think a lot of you are kind of like me, and you know that there is some sort of you. You don't have to call him God. You can say the Creator or Creative Intelligence or whatever you prefer. But uh, there's also an opposing force. Um, And to me, these supercomputers, all this kind of ties together with it. And we are clearly at war. Um, And this is a very old war. It's been going on for a very long time. The war against liberty isn't new. It's older than this world. And it will go on long after this world has been, uh, been wrapped up. So I want to talk a little bit about that how it pertains to the world that we live in today and what we can do about it. Um, I want to say, I think Joe a few weeks ago, or maybe it was Brian, mentioned boycotts. And I have to say, I don't care for those either. Um, These boycotts, if you want to boycott something, boycott pornography. Um, Boycott being offended. Boycott evil if you want to boycott anything. Um, Try to avoid being drawn into a into a camp where you're acting on your emotions and uh, yeah. And, and try to stay away from such things. I think, and I, I know this because I was guilty of it forever. I was in Romney's green room when he lost the election. I had gone door to door with my wife knocking on doors in New Hampshire. So that's how far I've come in the last few years. Trust me. I get being bamboozled by the kingdom. I was bamboozled for a very long time. Um, So we'll talk about that after the break, and we will see you soon.
Okay, everybody, we are back. Um, I uh, told you we were going to talk a little bit about uh, the old kingdom of, uh, of uh, Satan, as I like to call it. And I completely forgot I haven't talked about King Arthur yet. So I'm going to try to summarize this down a little bit because I, I really think this is cool stuff. Um, it might not be. Nah, I think it's super relevant even for our day. But um, as many of you may well know, around 600 B.C., the uh, the Babylonian Empire descended upon Jerusalem and conquered it, carried them away captive back to Babylon. Um, many, many, many were murdered. Um, and Jeremiah, the prophet from the Old Testament, uh, I believe it's pretty widely, I might be wrong, but I believe it's pretty widely accepted that he was killed in this. <clears throat> um, with, there is a lot, a lot of evidence out there, and I'll give you some of the uh, references on this if you want to look back at it. I, I'm using for my reference today uh, a friend of mine, Eric Smith, who is a professor at that beacon of uh, truth and academic, academic excellence, uh, BYU-Idaho. Um, he is a really good friend of mine, and he's big into this sort of research, and I'm kind of looking, for, looking reading out of his doctrinal essays webpage. Uh, doctoral, doctrinal essays.blogspot.com. Um, just a, a, a diligent researcher and a great reference. Um, and he, he gives you all the references for this stuff. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> it's a nagging cough. Anyway, Jeremiah escaped Jerusalem, and it looks like he ended up uh, first went through uh, what went through what is now uh, known as Spain. <coughs> Excuse me. And eventually ended up in Ireland. He had uh, two kids. One of them was named uh, Tamar. Um, she ended up, and it's kind of interesting, uh, she ended up being marrying into uh, the royal family at that time. And this is what's now Ireland. <coughs> this is where the Stone of Scone comes from. It's still used in coronations today uh, for royalty in Britain. Um and gosh, I wish we had more time. Uh, and, and this kind of began the royal uh, bloodlines, if you will. It, it introduced the blood of, um, of Judah and uh, King David, Isra Israeli blood, into uh, Spain and into Ireland. <coughs> Fast forwarding, we have um, after the crucifixion of the Savior, um, Joseph of Arimathea, Mary Magdalene. And the Savior's children, did I say that on air? Yes, I did say that on air. I think most of you know that. Um, they were set in a boat, set afloat by the by the Sanhedrin of that day, and they floated until they got to it. And, and Joseph of Arimathea was one of, um, at the time of the Savior's birth, was, was and through his uh, teenage years and through his 20s, all during this period, Joseph of Arimathea was one of the most wealthy men on earth. He was a trader in tin, and he had he was contracted uh, by the Roman Empire, and was he, he had almost been given like what we would today call sole source status. So he was extremely wealthy, had fleets of ships. So it's very reasonable to believe many of the writings that have surfaced. Um, there's a cave. Um, I wasn't prepared to talk about it today, but I think it bears. Uh, it's worth mentioning. Uh, in the I want to say ninth century A.D., there was an explorer that found a cave in China, 
um, where this pale face uh, prophet uh, is mentioned. Um, there are Christian writings from from uh, the Savior's time. Uh, these are throughout India. His influence in in Eastern cultures is absolutely uh, documented and super interesting to read. We'll cover that another time. But Joseph of Arimathea, my point being, was a was a seaman. He knew how to navigate a boat. So sticking him afloat at sea wasn't the end of the world. And they managed, uh, along with, I believe, Philip Thomas, I might have that wrong, a couple of the apostles, the Savior's family, uh, his his uh, his stepbrother, half-brother. But no, it would be half-brother. Um, you guys know who he is. I'm, I've got my I – think, I, think, I think you'd call him a half-brother. Um, they ended up in Britain. And um, – Along with this would be the Holy Grail, the wedding cup. Um, uh, so this introduced some very, uh, very royal bloodline into Britain. Um, and th- those uh, bloodlines have uh, remained somewhat hidden till this day that we live in now. I think somewhat deliberately. I'm sure it was uh, a bit of a divine plan. But we know about. Everybody knows about the amazing men that came here, uh, named George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, uh, Benjamin Franklin, Samuel Adams. These were all people. And even before that, you look at the Magna Carta. I mean, I'm, this is the Loving Liberty Network. I know that you guys have listened to Brian Hyde and and been schooled in all such things. He knows all this stuff so much better than I, but this stuff has a source. And I'm just trying to maybe scratch a little bit on the surface to explain what that source is. Liberty and the fight for liberty is far older than this world. Um, I think if you're listening to Loving Liberty today in this day and this age, you have definitely been at this for a heck of a lot longer than you realize. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. And it gives me hope. So, um, uh, let me let me try to thumb forward a little bit here through this. Um, so we know that um, Joseph of Arimathea, Mary Magdalene, ended up uh, in in Britain. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea and other Jews carried the blood of Judah to Britain. Their children married with kings and queens. Um, it's kind of fascinating if you look at the symbol of the tribe of Judah. It's found on the royal crest uh, of Britain next to Joseph's symbol. You look at the lion. That is the symbol of um, of the tribe of Judah. These so-called uh, mythical stories of uh, Merlin and Arthur are real. They both had miraculous births. Arthur was of the light. He was, he was good. Um, I've actually had to – I really like King Arthur the Holy Grail. I really like British humor. And my boys have I – my boys and I have watched it many times, and we like to quote it. And I've almost, since I've been looking into King Arthur a little bit, I feel a little bit bad that I kind of mock him, you know, like, you know, who are the Britons? Well, we are all Britons, and I am your king. I don't know if you guys have seen that peasant scene where the peasant is kind of a – you guys know what I'm talking about. I, I won't I – won't, I, won't, I won't give you my painful impression of that that my sons and I always quote, but – Point is, um, that makes fun of – it's kind of funny. Anytime you can – you see things made fun of or belittled, it's kind of interesting. Like you look at Thor in the new in the new Avengers movie. Isn't it kind of – it's interesting to me how they have put him down. The Olympians, uh, that's based on true stories. And Thor 
was a real archangel. That's something we'll talk about another day. But isn't it? It's really interesting that the rest of them are all cool and fancy and cap. I'm still a little mad that they've taken the stars and stripes off of Captain America, but um, that they made Thor out to be a a fat drunk now, right? And to me, that you look at what the what the kingdom makes out of stuff, and you know there must be must be a little more on the surface, but. Um, we'll cover this a little more another day. Some of the proof in uh, China of these same bloodlines. These bloodlines are, are, are uh, throughout the world. And in my humble opinion, they are being gathered. And what are they being gathered for? Well, I think we all know um, that this is a war that we're in for liberty, uh, that we fight against slavery. I don't know about you guys, but I kind of want to be counted as um, fighting for good. Uh, this war has raged on for a very long time, and I'm here today, and you're here today because we have a part to play. And um, that might sound like a lot, but honestly, sometimes I, my wife is just get so – my family and my friends get so wore out on me and always saying these sorts of things. But I kind of despise idle chit-chat. I don't like talking about the weather. I don't feel like we have time for that. I think we have too much to do. Um, and for me, these – Christian principles, liberty, um, so forth. These aren't politics. Um, dare I say, even things like like making a man into a woman. Um, I will say no earthly power, no heavenly power can do such a thing. And only old scratch would defame such a holy thing as a mother or a woman. Um, and I know that may sound offensive, but that's what I strongly believe. Um, and going forward, um, whether it's whether you're a, a nerdy science guy like me that tinkers in the ether, that makes parts and tries to make things, prepper tools that might help us in the future, or like a lot of the good hosts, Ammon Bundy, Joe Carey, um, Eric Mutsos, and Brian Hyde, Kate Daly, so forth, that are trying to trying to put the good word out to. Uh, to stand for liberty. I think that time is upon us. And um, when you feel that deja vu, when something rings true, go with it. Uh, get on your knees, pray about it, get, and then get up on your feet and go forward. And I thank you guys for another wonderful visit. And um, we will back ne- be back next Friday, same time, same place. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you soon. Thoughtful discussion. This is the Loving Liberty Radio Network.